coming to the ring, Flood the Drummer and Richard Taylor. What's up, wrestling fans, and thanks for tuning in to Coming to the Ring. I'm Flood the Drummer, here with Richard Taylor. I'm in Philadelphia, and he is in Seattle, and we are in your ears. It's Thursday, May 23rd. The 20th anniversary of the death of Owen Hart. Richard Taylor, what's up? My, my man, uh, nothing much. I actually did not even realize that this was, first of all, that this made 20 years and that this was actually 20 years to the day. That's really interesting. I remember the death of Owen Hart like it was yesterday. It was at Over the Edge, 1999. He was performing as the Blue Blazer coming down off the rafters, as they had practiced many times before. And uh, I remember going to school the next day and everybody was brokenhearted. Everybody was trying to find, because, um, you know, I didn't watch the pay-per-views back then. I would always watch Raw and try to get the recap. But I, first of all, I can't believe it's been 20 years. I feel so fucking old because I literally remember <laughs> it when it happened. And, um, and I just remember it being so sad. And I remember the next day. That Monday, I think it was Bret Hart versus Chris Benoit on WCW. They both yep. wore uh, Owen uh, joined on their arm, armbands, and they put on the stellar match. Um, I remember watching the clip of how JR and the King had to come back and, and, and give the bad news. And mm-hmm. uh, I've listened to Bruce Pritchard and his podcast and them talk about what it was really like that day and that night. And of course, we all know about the the ensuing the drama that ensued with the Hart family and Vince McMahon and the lawsuits right. and the the anger and Bret Hart, you know, um, uh, becoming even more uh, having even more acrimony towards the company. Um, but as we know, this past WrestleMania, Bret Hart was inducted into the Hall of Fame again. I think at this time, as part of the Hart Foundation, Owen Hart. When they revamped the Hart Foundation, when it was Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, Owen Hart. Brian Pillman, Jimmy Anvil, Nyhart, and Bret Hart back in the late '90s. That was to me the best version, and that was during the the stable uh, period of WWE. Everybody was in the stable. It was DX. It was Hart. Oh yeah. Hart Foundation, the Nation of Domination, Lost by Weakwas. <laughs> you know, DOA, Ministry of Darkness, The Brood. Um, but I think my greatest Owen Hart match or memory was him versus Bret. I mean, that just that saga. Yeah, yeah. They put on they put on clinics. Well, they did, man. I mean, you. I mean, obviously, with them being, you know, family, you would expect like you know, it's kind of like what people compared the Curry brothers to recently in the NBA Western Conference Finals. Like these are two guys that finally get a chance to face each other on the big stage, but it's something that they've been doing since they were little with each other. Mm-hmm. And so I think we got a chance to really see that with Brett. Um, in, in that match, you know, it was like, I mean, I know, you know, Bret Hart is, is heavily regarded as one of the best, if not the best technical wrestler to ever live. And, I mean, Owen wasn't too far from it, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, these guys, man, they were just just clinicians to the T. So, I totally agree with you, man. I was um, the saga in general with that because it was kind of like, Sometimes you have these different matches and I mean, one can be good, man. It is really hard to to be able to kind of put on that kind of uh, storyline for that period of time and be able to deliver every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you have a favorite Owen Hart match? I would honestly say it was that saga that you just mentioned. Like, yeah. I mean, just because of the fact, 
it's the chemistry, you know. For me, it's the chemistry, and um, and he was a great fucking heel. No, he was, and so I think that, like I said, man, when you when you when you, they kind of had the best of both worlds with it because they were overly talented, but man, think just just think about the preparation time as kids being able to do this together and 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 having it down to a T, not even knowing that you'd be able to really do it in real life one day, you know, like. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, if you get that chance to live out your dream with your family like that, like, hey, you take you take advantage of it and you man, you encompass that like completely just engulf yourself in it. And boom, like that's what we saw. And I mean, I definitely uh, I I definitely think, you know, his impact was felt, you know, passing away, man, seeing how many wrestlers, you know, I remember watching the Raw afterwards um, and I mean, just seeing wrestler after wrestler come to the ring with tributes, you know, uh, I know uh, the rock had a really great promo during that time where he paid tribute. Um, uh, but man, even just to see how everybody came together, I think Chris, for me, this might've been the first time that I saw wrestling beyond the storylines. Cause when you first, like some kids first hearing that he died, it was kind of like, you know, that was during that, that phase and age of like. Most of us believed it to be true, but then I'm like, oh, no, guys, this is all fake. I'm like, no, but this is really real. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And, it, I mean, it definitely put a different kind of spin on the idea that this, what many people, you know, believed is fake for so long really had so much reality to it that we needed to start paying attention to and treating it more serious where these guys are putting their bodies on the line. You know what I mean? And you just never know. Yeah. Uh, to your point, Sports Illustrated today uh, ran um, a story. Uh, it says it was published on the 24th, but I don't know how they worked that through a time machine because today is the 23rd. <laughs> but it was published today, and um, the headline says, The Owen Hart tragedy was the moment we came to see wrestlers as human. Yeah. Uh, written by Dan Green uh, on Sports Illustrated, uh, or I should say SI.com. Uh, and I think that is... Um, I think that was very true. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, it, they, they weren't as invincible as we have once knew them to be. Yeah. So listen, this was a big week. It started off with Brock Lesnar coming back at money in the bank and, and ended with the return of Dolph Ziggler. So let's start from the beginning of money in the bank, money in the bank. Uh, man, this was a, this is an interesting show. I know you text me. I ended up catching everything late, but we'll we'll go ahead and just run through the highlights real quick of what we have. So first match was a non-title match between the Usos and Daniel Bryan and Rowan. Dude, I honestly forgot that Rowan and Bryan even had the tag titles. Like, I don't – I can't tell you when they won them, but they got them. Um, mm. And so needless to say, even though it was a non-title match, uh, the Usos defeated uh, Bryan and Rowan in that match, man. Um, from there, we moved on. Um, we moved on to the women's Money in the Bank ladder match, where we got uh, it was a decent stable of women this year wrestling. I'll say that Nikki Cross, uh, Mandy Rose, we got uh, uh, Ember Moon, Natalia, Dana Brooke, Bailey, Carmella, and uh, Naomi. And so, I mean, some decent, actually, some really talented women wrestlers in there. This match definitely saw um, some decent bumps, man. You know, they the, the, the ladies came out and showed out. Um, at the end of it all, though, Bailey defeated uh, all of the other women to become Miss Money in the Bank, which I thought was an interesting move by WWE. And maybe they are trying to take her seriously as far as the push is concerned. 
that's where I left it. I was like, oh, that's different. Wasn't expecting that. But I guess out of the talent that was in the ring, she probably made the most sense outside of Naomi and possibly Carmella. So, but but some fans would say, why not keep Becky two belts? That that gimmick was over. What do you mean? People loved the Becky two belts gimmick. Didn't 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 Becky lose that match? Well, yeah, we're gonna get to that in a second. Though this is just this is just the women's money in the bank match. She did lose it, so that really changed me then when it came to the push that 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 they're doing with Bailey now as a champion. I was not expecting to see ba- to see Bailey go over twice in one night. So, right. You know, that really got me. Um and we're definitely going to talk about that um getting to that part of the ma- uh, of the 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 event later on that night. Man, we had the United States Championship match Roy Mysterio versus Samoa Joe and Mysterio actually defeated Samoa Joe. Some people believe it's off of a technicality. Samoa Joe actually addressed that the next night. Um, saying that his shoulders weren't down. But either way, Mysterio won the match. Um, and he beat him quickly, too. So it was kind of one of those, like, what the heck type of things. Thought we were going to see more, but we didn't. Man, after that, we had the steel cage match with The Miz and Shane McMahon. Um, the be- I'm sorry, excuse me. Uh, sorry. The best in the world, Shane McMahon. Because clearly, <laughs> clearly WWE thinks that we just going to keep the wool over our eyes this entire time. But... Needless to say, Colonel McSweaty Balls came out to fight um, the Miz. <laughs> and with that being said, um, man, it was a sweaty match. Uh, Shane ended up defeating the Miz. Um, Shane, uh, I think it was a superplex that was teased or something like that from the top of the cage. Um, and McMahon slipped out of the jersey and he fell to the floor scoring um, kind of what most would consider like a fluky type of victory. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like it was just like decisive or whatever, but it's just kind of like, oh, it happened. Man, a uh, cruiserweight championship. We had Tony Nese versus. Um, I still don't quite understand what they're trying to do with Shane McMahon, why he is getting a push, and why we're supposed to believe that he's a real fighter. He's a real. I'm not sure if it's more of a push rather than the clauses in his contract actually state that he does have to wrestle a certain number of matches a year. Um, and I'm not sure if that's by his order or Vince's order, but I know that this has been talked about a few times as far as this being like a clause in the contract, which I thought was really interesting. Because Shane's about hmm. like 50, almost 50. And the boss's son. You know, but I'm, I'm but hey, but you know what? If 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 he is supposed to basically be coming into as the new Vince McMahon, Vince was wrestling during that time. Yeah. So hey, who knows? But Vince never positioned himself as a serious threat. Well, no, well, Shane don't either, man. Like, I mean, he ain't winning no championships. Not yet. Man, listen, the Shane McMahon. He may be the do 24-7 champion by the end of next week. Yeah. Here we go. I'm not about to start with you. It's too early. <laughs> Fucking Shane McMahon. We're going to get to that. Cruiserweight championship match. Tony Nese versus Davari. And in this match, Nice defeated and he remained uh, champion. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was that, man. I'm not sure what the heck they're going to do with a uh, cruiserweight 205 live, but it needs some help. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Raw Women's Championship match, the first of two. We had Becky Two Belts versus Lacey Evans. I'm, I don't know how I feel about Lacey Evans, man. I'm not necessarily sure, but... Nisi, I don't even know what the fuck the gimmick is. Um, she, she's supposed to be a lady that stands up for women's rights, and her finisher move is called the woman's right. It's a... It's a it's a punch. It's like the lady Superman punch. 
I don't know, but I'm praying for WWE. Listen, her character is interesting. I will say this: I don't like her, and I think I don't like her because she plays her character well. Mm. Um, she's supposed to be like this sassy Southern Belle type of uh, yeah, yeah. So I will say that I don't like her because she plays her character well. Needless to say. Um, by the end of the match, uh, Lynch got the upper hand. She defeated Evans, um, and she was able to retain both, well, the, the Raw um, Women's uh, Championship. Crazy enough, right after that match was over, um, Becky had to face Charlotte. Charlotte came right on out. This was a really quick match. Not a lot happened. Flair actually defeated Charlotte for that SmackDown title. And to our surprise, like you mentioned, um, after the match, uh, Lacey Evans came back in and attacked uh, Becky Lynch. And she ended up getting beat down real quick. And Bailey ended up coming out. And in this whole thing, you know, Charlotte's down. Becky's down, but Bailey goes for the SmackDown Women's Championship. She kind of teased cashing it in at first. And then she went for it. Mm. Um, and she won. I'm like, what the heck? Like, is WWE giving Bailey a push? Okay, she's the new champion. I was not expecting that. I think they're trying to really give her a serious look outside of Hugger Bailey because that's what they've been talking about. Mm-hmm. So I guess this is the first in that look. Um, Roman Reigns versus Elias was next. Um, it was a decent match. Reigns won the match. Um, but I'm just like, man, can we get something else? I mean, these guys could have a great few, but I think they need to build more around it just to be, you know, give us something of worth, you know, when it comes to, like, being really – engulfed into this match um after that we had the universal championship match seth rollins versus aj styles these guys definitely put on a no pun intended phenomenal match Mm. um they burnt it down and Mm. so with that being said man um the two of these guys man this could have gone any way you had a a lot of the um a lot of the near falls man the the crowd was in it it definitely Mm -hmm. was very engaging um, and even at the end of the match, Seth Rollins ends up retaining and he beats Styles and they have like a little sign of respect at the end with the handshake. And so that was pretty cool. Um, for whatever reason, Lars Sullivan had a piece of the pie here with being able to obliterate Lucha House Party. That was that. Um, then after that, we had the WWE Championship match with Kofi Kingston. Um, who you just found out had a Jamaican accent years ago mm-hmm. and uh, Kevin Owens. Um, Great match. Owens, um, they went back and forth a lot with near falls in this one, too. Owens tried to hit with the stunner. Kofi countered um, with that trouble in paradise, and he knocked him out. Kofi rolled Owens. Um, Kevin Owens played the smart bat, like trying to roll out the ring. Um, and, and Kingston ended up rolling him back in into the ring. Um, Owens tried to do his little senton from the top rope. Kofi ended up uh, getting his knees up, hit him with a, another trouble in paradise, and he retained his title. This was really good because I definitely know that this feud is not over. I really appreciated this match. Um, I thought that they did a decent job here. Kofi has still been able to put on really good matches post-mania, which is good because I know sometimes that heat can kind of start to slow down. Mm-hmm. But he is white hot, though. Final match for Money in the Bank was the men's Money in the Bank ladder match with Finn Balor, Sami Zayn, Baron Corbin, who looks like a bad bartender, um, <laughs> Randy Owens, Drew McIntyre, Andrade, uh, Mr. Flipping Around, Ricochet, and I'm forgetting one person. Oh, Ali. We're not calling him Mustafa anymore, apparently. It's just Ali now. 
So this was an interesting match. Chris, I know you had actually texted me about one. I missed a spot here that you saw. Um, that sunset flip, was it? Mm, mm. Yeah, that was phenomenal. That, that was, was that was painful. <laughs> it was painful, man. But you it know what? Just to watch. Like, it was. I was like, Finn definitely took the blunt of that. Man, him, Andrade, though, man, the smaller dudes, man, they – you talk about guys that can really just put on the clinic when it comes to flipping. Like, this might have been, like, a legit, like, A-plus type of match. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, at least the match itself. The part that didn't really pan over, pan over too well for me was the fact that – so backtrack real quick. Sami Zayn was supposed to be in the match. He ended up not being in it because he got jumped by who they thought was um, – was Braun Strowman and uh, Triple H basically kicked him out that night, banned him. And what we ended up seeing was that we don't think it was Strowman anymore, but rather Brock Lesnar who comes and inserts himself in the latter part of the match. No pun intended. He climbs the ladder. He does his little bit of obliteration. He goes. And now Brock Lesnar is the new Mr. Money in the Bank, also known as Mr. Let Me Help the Company Tank. So Mm. this is what we have for Money in the Bank. I was not happy with the finish with Brock Lesnar. I don't know if him and Vince have some kind of like weird abusive relationship going on. (laughs) And the reason why I say that is because I hear stories all the time of him being upset. He leaves Mm Mania. He attacks Mm -hmm. Vince. Then he comes back like, what is happening in the WWE, Chris. Vince never has any uh, uh, long-term to do business with whoever's willing to do business. People who've walked out on him, who screwed him over, held him up for money, Jeff Jarrett among them. Vince always manages to forgive them because at the end of the day, Vince will always do what's best for business. Sometimes. Because I, I, I think in his head, he thinks, oh, this will really get them going. Let's bring back Lester. Let's have all the flip around and at the very end, you know, we'll bring out Lesnar. They'll fucking hate you. They'll boo you out the building. That's, and yeah. that's what they did. Yeah. And they talked about it. And it went viral. And I think it probably went more viral than if Andrade would have won it or if oh, yeah. Ricochet would have won it. Absolutely. No, no doubt about it. I mean, you're absolutely right. So there. it's selfish. And one, you know, you can look at it as a fan and say, this was selfish. Those guys flipped around put the body on the lines, and then Brock Lesnar just comes out at the end, you know, fuck you, Vince. And I've seen people cancel their subscription. Those people are way too caught up (laughs) and not looking at the bigger picture. Vince, of course, knew this was going to piss people off, but that's what he wanted. He wanted some heat, as they say, X-Pac heat. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. He definitely, I mean, heat is what he got. So, I mean, it was interesting to see Brock there. Um, man, I'm not sure where they're going to end up going with this. And if you are good with it, we can jump right into Monday Night Raw from there because we pick Monday Night Raw up with Brock interfering Kofi and Seth Rollins, um, kind of talking about his choice. Now, this was interesting, man, because Seth and Kofi both come out stating their claim as to they would be ready. And I love the way Paul Heyman put this in the promo that he did with them the other day at the fact that the champions are the ones doing their bidding, asking for the challenger to come to them. And that was heavy. Paul Heyman, he he has a way with words. Wait, what do you mean? So at the beginning of Raw, um, you had Seth come out with his championship. Kofi came out with his. And both of these guys are basically talking up how they will defend and how they will be ready for Brock Lesnar. 
but they're individually stating this while in the ring together. And so when Brock comes out, they're both like, yo, pick me. I want you to pick me. And Paul Heyman makes us a point to say, isn't it ironic how both of you all are carrying the belts, but you're, you're trying to prove your worthiness to the challenger with the money in the bank as to who he chooses. Right. And I was like, just, man, the way Paul Heyman said it, I was just like, wow, like, he has not lost the touch when it comes to his promos. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he put it in perspective that I'm pretty sure went over a lot of people's head, but I was like, yo, good job, Paulie. Like, that was great. Um, and so um, he sold this. He definitely made it worth it. Um, and so after that, man, we have Braun Strowman versus Sami Zayn. Um, Strowman ended up beating Zayn. I'm not really sure if I want to see this feud come back up. You notice I just yawned right there because that's how tired <laughs> it is. I'm not sure if I want to see this feud come back up. And another yeah. feud that I am tired of seeing that happened right after was the Lucha House Party um, trying to get revenge on Lars Sullivan, man. Look, throw the whole thing away. Ricochet versus... Yeah, I don't get that one. I don't either. I, I know they're trying to build Lars up, but I'm not sure what's happening right now. But why do, it, why do the Lucha House Party give him a real competitor? Uh, if you want to build them up, you know, not somebody he can easily squash. You know, if, um, if they were smart, man, they would have just let um, they should have just fed Lars and Brock to each other, like Vince. That's what I was thinking. Put Lars as the eight man in the in the Money in the Bank, and then have him cash in, and then have Brock go for him. Yeah, like give, have these two monsters just kill each other. Give us something. Give us something. So the next match: Ricochet versus Cesaro. It was a good match. Ricochet sold his injuries really well from the night before. That was a really good match. Huh? Um, that was a really good match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love how he just sold everything because, you know, obviously with him being in that uh, Money in the Bank ladder match, man, they took some bumps last night, so he definitely sold it well. But Cesaro ended up coming out with the victory uh, anyway. After that... Um, man, wait, wait, wait. Yo, yo, yo. Ricochet, Ricochet did a spot where they threw him into the rope and he jumped on his shoulders. With like his feet on Cesaro's shoulders, backflip off of his shoulders. I mean, the balance, yeah, that, the, the athleticism of this kid. Ricochet has some of the most amazing core strength I have ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Like second to none. I'm like, dude is just like a magician. After that, we get Shane coming out, interrupting the big dog, Roman Reigns. You know, Shane being Shane, man, just talking that good old McMahon squabble, doing his thing. It was pointless. Drew McIntyre ends up. Um, coming out to show his support as well. And so Shane is building this little stable, slowly but surely, um, which I think is interesting because it kind of starts to remind me of uh, how Vince kind of had his stables out back then. And so the corporation. Yeah, man, I'm not sure. But after that, we had the Usos versus the Revival, man. I know they are waiting for this to be over. I will say this. As crappy as things have been with how they have been booking the Revival for these, like, jokes and laughs they actually put on a great match with the usos that's one they thing did. you never have to worry about these guys can wrestle their tails off. they're good workers yeah they're great workers man and so they put on a phenomenal match all things considered they put on a phenomenal match take a shot everybody every time richard says phenomenal ah, like- there we go <laughs> that's about that that's 30 right there a moment of bliss with Becky Lynch. Um, I hate that fucking thing. I do too. I'm like, throw the whole cast away um, and put Alexa in the garbage. So <laughs> that's just me. What do I know, though? I mean, it basically led to a bunch of talk, um, and it, it it kind of paired up to be like a three weight, a three woman tag match. So Peyton Royce and Billy Kay were with um, 
Lacey Evans, and then it became Nikki Cross, Becky Lynch, and Alexa Bliss mm-hmm. um, fighting. And so basically, Becky, Alexa, and Nikki Cross um, end up coming out with the victory in that match. They beat it. The, they defeated the Iconics and Evans. And Chris, we're going to get to your favorite spot of the show because I know that you just could not wait to see this. You you were so excited, and that is the fact that Mick Foley came out to introduce <laughs> a brand new championship which we now know as the 24-7 championship. Left me with blue balls because I thought we was getting the <laughs> title or something. Oh, man. You thought the WWE Network was going to be $5.99 for a month? Psych. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we was getting the hardcore title. Uh, uh, and I didn't expect it to be the old hardcore title. I thought it was going to bring out a nice – that piece of shit, man. <laughs> you know, it looks like a fucking master's PGA jacket to, you know, turned oh, into a belt. Oh, my Ugly green – uh, I don't know what Vince McMahon and them are doing. That is the ugliest uh, title <laughs> I've ever fucking seen. Chris, you hate it, huh? <laughs> you hate it, man. Oh, man. It looks like, well, like a lot of people said on Twitter, it doesn't look like it's finished. It looks like a clock on the belt, it like Flavor Flavorly wearing it. And, um, you know, but again, you know, the, looking at the upside, um, <laughs> That title is responsible for the biggest push Vince McMahon has given the black wrestlers since, I mean, <laughs> since he's decided to give Kofi Kingston a shot. Would you? The first two champions were black, right? Titus O'Neil Titus and our truth Titus O'Neil rule. Bobby Roode ended up winning it after that. He beat he right. He defeated Titus O'Neil. Did a little roll up on the ramp. Did a little roll up, got the belt, and then our truth came. I love the way he did it, tricking. But up. two black champions in the midst of ten minutes—that's a WWE record. I mean, that's impressive. I mean, you know, if we say nothing else, hey, you know what? Christmas came late for the community this year, but it came. So Black Lives Matter. You know, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. I think Vince saw that. He he's like, you know what? Let's let's go ahead and shock the world tonight. So, but, you know, I can see it's going to be a fun. I mean, you know, despite the aesthetics and it being a hideous belt, it it's going to be fun. People, it's going to be um, people like Truth will will make this belt fun too. Mm-hmm. Truth. He can help get it over. Well, I mean, he did, you know, even in, in, in some of his antics, we'll get into SmackDown in a minute, but even in how he beat Rude for the belt, like, you know, trying to basically, you know, playing good old, I don't know anything, our truth, and trying to, you know, lead Bobby Rude to safety. And, you know, as he's taking him to the other side of the car to get him out of there, a referee walks out of the door of the car. Like, that is, I mean, that is classic. That was R-Truth. great. That yeah, was, it was great. Chris, you want to know what that was? Vintage. That was phenomenal. So, oh god, <laughs> I didn't see it coming. <laughs> so no, it was good though, man. Um, definitely not a fan of the aesthetics of that belt at all. Like they, I'm like, whoever made that needs to be fired or at least reprimanded. And so, well, if what they say in Raw was true, they were probably making the belt as Raw was going on. It's just like everything else at Raw. Like, they was writing the script as the show was happening. I can see that. You- Multiple reports were to be relieved that this was that this was a chaotic uh, backstage atmosphere at WWE Raw, almost kin to WCW when they were going out of business. Yep, I could believe that. I could believe it. I could believe. Because I don't know what the reason would be that they were so disorganized this week. Well, I mean that's what happens, man. When uh, you don't pay the bill, you know everybody's squandering, trying to figure it out. Who knows? But we'll figure it out. Um. 
needless to say, to a degree, you can look at it as the new hardcore championship from a standpoint of any times, anywhere. I love that aspect of the hardcore championship when they had it back in the day. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and move on real quick because I know we got some more uh, pertinent things to discuss. The Miz versus Drew McIntyre. Um, McIntyre wins. He pinned the Miz. Horrible match um, from a standpoint of um, I've just uh, Chris. Now this is your point right here. The reason why I'm not a fan of this is because of the fact that Drew McIntyre is a monster. Just mm-hmm. off of look and size and appeal, you do not need to make this monster seem like he cannot win without the help of Shane McMahon. Mm. That part really just, I'm like, y'all y'all could have done something different with this. Like, this was mm-hmm. stupid. So, yeah, that's uh, that was It shouldn't even been a competition. He should have just been able to squash Miz. Yeah, he should have, but he didn't. Final match of the night, no DQ match with Seth Rollins and Kofi Kingston versus Baron Corbin and Bobby Lashley. Um, Kofi with these doggone pancakes gets me every time. Um, either way, Kingston and Rollins, of course, you have the champions win the match. They beat Corbin and Lashley. Um, and so Lesnar comes out at the end of that and basically teases like a cash-in, and both of the guys are standing in the ring ready for whatever. That was Monday Night Raw, three hours of blah, 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 blah. All right, mm-hmm. let's go. SmackDown, good old Big E made his return to the New Day um, with all of that gyrating and hip shaking that got him injured once before. So the, the, the Big E, the thick man with two Cs, definitely came back. And um, it was fun to see because he's always fun, man, just to, to have him be around. Of course, they end up getting interrupted. Um, you know, with uh, with the Kevin Owens and was a Sami Zayn, just the back and forthness there. That was that. Um, next match we had Andrade versus Ali, which I thought was actually a really good match. Um, man, like I said, the two hundred five guys, man, and just the guys like of this stature, they know how to put on really like these are your workers, Chris. These are the ones that really keep the show afloat from a work standpoint. Yeah, I think that they should go back to the days where those kind of guys opened Raw. We yeah. opened Raw with the match, not a silly promo or backstage segment. Open it with some targeting action. Hit hit that match, you know, hit the finish. Go backstage for a segment, you know, get some reaction in the crowd. You know, what I would love to start seeing on Raw, what I, which what I would think would also help eat the time. Is, as you know, Rich, I, I, I used to produce and host a morning show for three hours. So mm-hmm. I understand how to keep three hours going. I would I would go give you give you you know five star match to open the show with with the high flying guys go backstage for a segment then have one of my correspondents you know two or three in separate parts of the audience and just saying what you guys think about that last match and then just getting some sound bites from the audience is like oh my god that was fucking crazy yeah that's good yeah, 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 and then say all right back to the ring and then you got another match no, that's really good. I like that. So a that, lot. that way it's not saggy because the way Raw, sometimes Raw just lags. You'd be like, man, can this shit get on with it already? Chris, it sounds like Vince needs to book you, my friend. He does. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. <laughs> I got to make a call. Oh, to what the hold up is, but now he I look- wouldn't listen. Listen, he's known Triple H forever. And if Triple H can't change his mind and get him to do some good shit, I don't know what luck I would, would have. Listen, with a name like Flood the Drummer, he might think you're a wrestler. <laughs> Give him a chance, Vince. <laughs> Here we go. So Ali ends up defeating Andrade by pinfall. Um, behind scenes, we have um, Carmella in the back looking for our truth who has the 24-7 championship. 
and we end up getting Truth trying to disguise with a horrible wig. The next match out is actually Mandy Rose versus Carmella, and our truth ends up getting a makeover from Carmella before, and clearly you know it's him, but they played with this. They have fun with it. Um, Rose Always got to put a black man in drag somehow. Somehow, right? Rose versus Carmella ends up in a, a no contest because immediately after um, all of the guys uh, who are looking for the 24-7 title end up running out to chase him. Mm. Kofi Kingston versus Sami Zayn uh, was the next match up. Kingston ended up beating Sami Zayn. They actually put on a really good match. Both of those guys are great workers. They can wrestle. Um, what surprised me at this, and Chris, I know you're going to dive into this a little bit, was the fact that post-match, um, Kofi ends up getting attacked by Dolph Ziggler. Ziggler runs this promo to a degree sounding real crybaby-ish, but it was mm. really good. It sounded like it was spoken from the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, man, it, it had some good passion behind it. And um, yeah, man, I was actually excited to see it, even though I feel like Ziggler deserves better from a standpoint of WWE has underutilized him for so long. Mm-hmm. But now he's in the main, now he's in the title picture. Well, yeah, he is, but I just, I don't know. I guess I'm not the biggest fan of how things have been done with Ziggler in the past. Mm-hmm. So I just, I don't know, Chris. I just, he deserved better. Hopefully this, because he's been in a title picture before, and then it's just kind of like, nah, okay, thanks, Dolph. Yeah. I think there's a curse sometimes to being a good, quote-unquote, worker, that Vince is like, well, we always need a good hand, so let's just keep these guys in the mid-card. We can just, you know, always have a steady hand and, 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 and instead push the bigger personas and the bigger physiques. But, you know, Dolph has a great physique, and he's also really charismatic. Um, I've always said he is, uh, to me, a throwback to uh, Shawn Michaels in his prime, the way he sells, the way he throws that super kick. Um, I think he could be believable uh, as a WWE champion now that, 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 you know, we've moved past the idea that you got to be 6'6", 300 pounds to be a WWE champion, that, that now these guys that can fly through the ring and do some impressive stuff. And again, you don't want to lose a talent like Dolph Ziggler to AEW yeah, or, or to Impact. So they, they need to start taking these guys seriously. No, I agree. 100% agree. I 100% agree. And uh, so, yeah, um, they need to figure it out because, like I said, I think that th- these guys are paying attention and they know what's up. Like, they know what opportunities are there. So I think it's important for them to really start paying attention and know what's happening there. Um, man, next matchup, we had Bailey and Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair and Lacey Evans. Um, Bailey and Lynch picked up the victory over Flair and Evans. And this was a really cool promo cut by Lacey Evans afterwards, how she was talking about, you know, Charlotte really lost the match. She was like, I didn't lose anything. I love that heelishness that they have. So after that is when Ziggler came out to explain his actions. And he was basically um, he. He, he said he was going to knock Kofi off. Like I said, the promo was good. That was that. Afterwards, Roman Reigns versus Elias with Shane McMahon, of course. So Reigns defeats Elias, even with Shane trying to help. And that is basically how SmackDown closed out. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. So Shane McMahon closing out. Um, <laughs> clo- closing out matches, man. <laughs> helping helping the, big, the, the guys who are trying to push win. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know, Chris. What is your take right now with the fate, with the state of the WWE? Well, I'm going to say something that's probably unpopular and maybe even 
um, incongruous with statements I've made in the past. Uh, I am not yet wild, and that's W-O-W-E-D, wild. I have not yet been awe-inspired by the Kofi Kingston run as champion. I know. I, I, I that's a heel turn. I, I just oh. became a heel. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> oh, Uncle Rock is in the back. <laughs> 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 that fucking cool <laughs> around giving pancakes all goddamn down the ring, motherfucker. Oh goodness, Chris, who are you? <laughs> Too funny. Too funny. I, I wanted to see. I mean, look, I, I still want. I, I'm glad they're giving him a chance. I, um, as Jim Ross said it, you know, and I, I, I feel like I'm in good company having the same opinion as Jim Ross. I think Kofi needs to be a bit more serious. Absolutely, I would and give you that. when when I watched the um, opening of Raw and seeing him try to, I, when he said, "Yo, you know, Brock, I want you to take me," I, I didn't believe it. I don't want to see Brock versus Kofi because to me that Kofi doesn't present himself in that league. So, so and not just because of size, it's because he's not threatening. He's such a goofy, loving pancake guy. They need to give him a mean streak. I was going to ask. So, do you would do you think a, a, a Kofi heel turn would be um, in the works or should? Um, be I don't. I don't know if it would be a heel turn, but yes, actually, you know what? Yeah. Say, you know what, you know, have a one day out there with a new day and then turn around and say, you know, and then attack those guys and say, you know, you guys are holding me back. I'm done with the colorful characters and the pancakes. You know, this is my time now. And I'm tired of staring, you know, sharing the stage with a bunch of amateurs. And then he joins, you know, and, and goes heel and either goes solo or, or joins Shane McMahon or, or, or whatever. But I think a Kofi Hill turn would be apropos. I would like to see a Kofi Hill turn that kind of has that Seth Rollins implication of the cheer to the back to both teammates out of nowhere because nobody expected that. Yeah. That would actually be pretty cool. I think that no that would one a lot of heat. would see a Kofi Kingston Hill turn coming. Absolutely. And that's why it would be great. I, you know what? I'd be with it. Yeah. I'd be with it. Definitely if you want to see him as a more serious. I, I, man, listen. So, see, now my 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 my, my opinion isn't as controversial. Well, no, it makes it. a lot of sense because that's the thing. Like, you want you want your champion to be taken serious. And right. um, it, it's not going to happen with unicorns and pancakes. I'm sorry. Right. Like, you're, you're right. Like, I can't take nothing away from you with that statement. Like, you are absolutely right. Like, we need to see something different from Kofi. Because he deserves the belt, yes. Yeah. But now that we're talking, like, it's one thing to get to the mountaintop, but you got to be able to stay, you know? Yeah. And this is this is a part of that. Like, what, what can we change up? And I know the other side will argue, well, you know, it, it's not the old days. We could do something new. It doesn't have to be the heel, angry champion, big, bulky guy. And, and I, I would agree. Totally, I, I, yeah. I, I think the smaller guys getting the belts are necessary. Daniel Bryan, I mean, phenomenal as a heel. But he's also brilliant as a face. And I think Kofi can do the same thing. Plus, it's shock value. You just won't see it coming. You know, I think there's been seeds planted that maybe a Big E or Xavier would turn on Kofi out of jealousy. But if Kofi turns on them and saying, you know, I've gotten to the top. I don't need you guys anymore. You're holding me back. And then he just completely stopped wearing all those colorful things and, 
you know, just comes out in black trunks and 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 it doesn't do all this silly gimmick stuff, and then takes on a really kind of cocky persona, and say, you know, I'm the man around here now, and you know, I I think it could work. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I think it could. I definitely think it could be some beauty there, um, when it comes to him actually being able to play that part. What's the likelihood that they'll turn Kofi Hill? You think? Mm, I mean, I highly doubt it. Because this is the thing, and, and so the, the the reality is, is that Kofi technically doesn't need to turn heel. The unfortunate part is that, from a face standpoint, Vince McMahon is not one to 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 utilize his black characters in a face persona that can be taken serious. Right. If they're, if, they're, if his black characters are faces, they're always goofy. Right. Titus O'Neil fumbling and dumbling and being silly going to the ring. Our truth dressing in drag and running around. You know, Kofi Kingston handing out, throwing out pancakes and grinding his body. Um, you know, those are those are the black faces you have on just raw. Right. And they're all faces and they're all goofy, which to be fair, again, not to be, you know, incongruous to my first my prior statements, that is a departure from previous stints where Vince McMahon would push all his black characters as brutes, i.e. Ahmed Johnson yeah, and yeah. Uh, what's the guy who came out? Um, after Ezekiel Jackson, you know, Farouk, you know, all these serious, mean black guys who didn't have any gimmicks. They were just black and mean. That was the gimmick. Vince McMahon would say, they don't need a gimmick. They're black. Right. So, I think Vince has to find a way to be moderate in the way he books his black characters and not be so polar, where either they're goofy or they're brutes. Right. Have them be somewhere in the middle. Like Let a, them be a, cool. Let them be smooth operators like, you know, how you would use a Triple H, you know. Or Roman Reigns. Yeah. Or Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens can give you a bit of a dick. He can give you a good guy. He can be an asshole. He has a lot of depth to him. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure Kofi has that, but like I said, you know, when you you got him on a short lease, you're not utilizing him in that way. Yeah, but I, I think I may author I may write a piece uh, making the case for Kofi Kingston Hill turn, um, and uh, and lay those thoughts out and 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 run the story uh, alongside this podcast. Go ahead, go for it, Chris. You the man. And hopefully one day, you know, I'll publish it on GMP, and uh, Kofi may read it. It's <laughs> a fence. You know, this is a good idea. Turn me heel, Vince. I'm Turn like, heel, Vince. Listen, ten percent, cha-ching. Here we go, Chris. <laughs> y'all ain't look. Flood the drum ain't coming back to coming in the ring, y'all. Y'all, <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all. <laughs> I'm telling you, I would mark out so hard if they turned him heel. I can see it. I can see it, man. And I think it would. Be and to be cool. honest with you, I don't think, from my recollection, I don't think Kofi has ever played heel. I don't think so either. I can't say that I recall him ever being a heel myself. So he's played Jamaican, but he's never played Talk heel. He played Jamaican. <laughs> yeah, I do be thinking about that sometimes. Kofi, what happened to your accent? Like, you know, that's yeah, what do I know though? And I don't want him to bulk up. I don't think he needs to bulk up. You know, he's fine just how he is. But yeah, give him some new music. Um, I think also. I would just call him Kofi. You know how we've talked about all these names. Oh, I wouldn't call him Kofi Kingston anymore. Just Kofi. Yeah, I can see that. That's legit. You know what I'm saying? Uh huh. That that's that's my. So as in terms of the state of WWE, 
I'd start at the top. That's I turn Kofi Hill. I would also I would put Lars Sullivan in the program, a meaningful program with a star that's believable, not somebody he can squash. I think I think Lars and a Braun Strowman battle, um, a battle of the tough guys, a battle of the monsters would be great. I think it's too early to put Lars in the hunt for um, Brock Lesnar, mm-hmm. uh, but I think maybe putting him. I would love to see a, a Lars Sullivan Samoa Joe program. That would be you know, good. Uh, put the title back on Samoa Joe and have Lars go after it. Um, and I'd like to see more from from you know switching jumping to SmackDown or or you know still on Raw. I'd like to see more out of Robert Roode. He's so good. He's such a good worker, and I feel like he's just he's just existing. Um, and Ricochet, I don't, I, I'm not quite sure why he jobbed out to Cesaro. Um, I, I, I think they need to be pushing Ricochet much harder than they are because um, he's a brilliant worker. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are the those are the things that come to mind right away. I think I don't think dedicating an entire hour, the last hour of Raw to the 24. I think that is too much time to dedicate to that title. Right. Um, what is it going to be an hour of people just you know running after each other like that could become a little bit like you know circus like after twenty minutes. Yeah, that would be too much. That would be entirely too much. I, I, I'm in a hundred percent agreement with you there. Last thing I'll say is we should we should give a we should press pause on the talk show segments. Everybody got a fucking talk show. It's not interesting. I understand it's a way to kill time, but I'd rather you interview, again, the fans about the parts of the show that they like and what they don't like in real time, you know, because everybody wants to get on camera. So if you go, you know, we're here on the top, you know, floor, you know, seat 507 talking to blah, 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 blah from blah, blah, blah. Hey, what do you think about this match? Okay, you know, back to you, backstage, and then you go to program. I think it, the show Raw needs to be a bit more fluid. Three hours is a long time to fill, and I think that the writers are getting – a little tired, and sometimes they, they, you, could, you could tell that they're phoning it in. Um, Agreed. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, so I think there just needs to be a little bit more fluidity throughout the evening um, and pacing. There, there, there isn't a lot of pacing uh, uh, to the show, and so I think you start them high with, with, with a great 205 Live type match, and then you, you bring them down with a backstage promo. You show some clips from last week or recap some stories, and then you go to your next match. And then, you know, you, you, you have another backstage promo. And then you, maybe you do a, a featured interview, you know, or something like that. Uh, but I think we need more feuds, real feuds where these stories are told over a length of time. I love what they did with Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan. And they were able to get so much out of it. Um, and I, I'd love to see that. And, of course, last but not least, a more robust focus on tag team matches. I like to see one or two real good tag team matches per per week on Raw or SmackDown. Agree, agree, man. We got to be able to get them to take the tag team serious again. We got to get them to be able to What about you? What what would you change about WWE right now? What, what, what the, the state of WWE? The ownership? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. No, but it's a lot that needs to go, man. Um I think just some of the writing and and I you know what, maybe from a standpoint of just perspective I hadn't thought about what you said before when it comes to maybe the writers are tired. That might be true. But then I think maybe some of these writers are just trash and mm-hmm. we are keeping some of the wrong people around. I mean, I've heard complaints about the likes of Kevin Dunn and how it's his time to go. Like he's got to be I like you still got a lot of Vince's people's in there pulling the main strings. 
Like right. I'm, I'm talking about the folks that he came up with when he was, you know, young Vince McMahon. So right, the Bruce Pritchards, the yeah, Gerald Briscoes, yeah, the Kevin and Dunn's. And so that's the thing. I'm like, you know, Big Two Dunn still in there doing, you know, whatever. Um, man, I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan of of uh, of 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 the talk shows either. I think that that is definitely a bit too much. It can drag. I would love to see us getting. I don't remember the last time I saw a Raw like literally start with a match without a promo, mm-hmm. like without a promo. So I think that that would be really um, helpful to change it up, man, because it's, it's become too predictable. You know, it does. It's it is. New, new era of wrestling, and but the stuff seems to be the same, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, I just, just small changes like that that I think, man. Um, and then I think, too, like you said, paying more attention to your talent, utilizing them the right way. Um, and, and, and and booking things that that you can get a chance to see that could potentially be good before they go sour. Like, man, like Bobby Lashley's been back in WWE for an entire year now. You mm. know what? At this point, you, if you want to bring Brock Lesnar back, let him and Bobby go. We've always mm. wanted to see them in the mm-hmm. UFC against each other or, mm-hmm. you know, MMA. That didn't happen. We wanted to see them in this regard against each other, knowing that Lashley was coming back. He's mm. been there for some time now. You've made him mean. Man, if you wanted to be really smart, put him in a feud to where he becomes appealing to, to Paul Heyman. And he's got mm. Paul thinking like, man, you know what? Brock's clock is ticking, but Bobby's got a little bit of time and Bobby's in better shape. And, you know, like you could play with that angle so many ways and, yeah. and, and just, you know, have your way with it. Vince wants to be edgy. So, look, if you're going to be edgy with Lars Sullivan, you know, and, 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 and utilizing what he's done. Go go ahead and do it, you know, um, even with the, the likes of Kofi, changing that persona, making him more believable, right? Making him a little more serious. And he doesn't necessarily need to turn heel, but just turning, I mean, the same way that they kind of turn the New Day into this, you can shift them, right, into a, a more serious state. Like, right. oh, no. And I understand for Vince is the bottom line, I, I, I could, you know, be, you know, I, I, I I did sales, and so part of being sales is kind of knowing what you're, the person you're trying to convince, what their objection is going to be. And I can already imagine the main objection is, hey, listen, this goopy shit sells. The New Day sells a ton of fucking merch with these colorful characters, these colorful clothes, and these unicorns, and these pancakes, and all that other shit. And if I make them serious, if I split them up, I turn Kofi Hill, make him more serious, we lose some, we lose merch. Yeah. Hills don't sell as much merch as the faces. That's true. So how do we how do we make a a, a viable face um, market for them, where it's not all unicorns and pancakes, but it's still something that people buy into, you know? Right. Who knows? Yeah. <clears throat> Who knows? Maybe I you list- can go, go ahead. ahead. Say. I was gonna say maybe you could take something that the kids are really intrigued by. When you know those those that watch the show, like something they're intrigued by in real night. What if you? What if the new day character started dressing up like? Uh, you know, characters from Fortnite or something. Like, you're keeping it within the realm. You're keeping it in a realm within people would buy, right? But now you've been able to kind of, you know, kind of procreate on that market a little bit. But they also, I think that they need to push back on this idea that Hills can't sell merch. The Rock was a heel when he was doing this. Oh, like, yeah. Do you smell the Rock is cooking shit? And that shit was over like fuck. Oh, I mean, a lot of his merch was over because a lot of it were like quips and puns that he used, and it was just right. like, oh, this is perfect. Right. And so that's the thing, too. Like, if you turn Kofi Hill, does Kofi have a smart mouth? Let him go out there and roast. Like, you know, get, you know, the last, the last Hill that I was able to see sell 
like this. And it was crazy because he was he after a point in time, he wasn't really a heel. He was just anti-face. And then uh, he became anti-establishment. But that was CM Punk. Yeah. Like Punk yeah. sold. <laughs> Punk, Punk sold. But Punk kept it real. He talked his stuff and he kept it real. Yeah. And I love him for every bit of it, man. I miss CM Punk. Man, AEW waiting for that phone call. Just wait. Just yeah. wait on it. Just wait on it. I would love to see a CM Punk versus Seth Rollins or a CM Punk versus Andrade. Um, you know, to your point, there's the roster is so full at WWE right now, but they keep doing these same matches. They're dream matches that, that could be had. Like AJ Styles versus Bobby Roode match. If they Robert Roode, if they really let Robert do his thing, that yeah. could be that could be amazing. No, you I know, agree, Drew McIntyre and Lars Sullivan, uh, or Drew McIntyre and Lesnar. Um, you know, uh, uh, Kofi Kingston and uh, uh, Finn Balor, you know, w- would be great uh, matches, you know. I agree 100%, yeah. Ricochet and Ali. Yeah, man, there's, and that's the thing. There's so much that can be done, and it's so little that is being done. And so this is one of those things that WWE is going to have to really think about and be like, look, like, I mean, like you said, you know, it's about what sells, right? Mm-hmm. It's about what sells. So I guess only time will tell. What do you, uh, just to wrap up, what do you envision long-term for this 24-7 title? Who do you, you know, this isn't going to be a championship that, it doesn't feel like it's going to be a championship that people will reign with. Like, it seems like it's always going to be a new champion every week. It's not going to be like somebody has this belt for four months. Um, man, interestingly enough, a part of me feels like uh, a huge part of me feels like um, our truth is going to be a big part of keeping this belt going. Yeah. And so what I envision that could be really cool is like um, him constantly doing things like cunning ways that our truth could only get over with and constantly winning the belt. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um and and just keeping it fun, man. Keeping it fresh. Um, but yeah, long term. I mean, if if at the very least, it could definitely be comedic relief, and maybe uh, it can come up. Oh yeah, man. I can't forget real quick too before we close, man. You know, we did get like a quick little snippet of some weird kids going back and forth, and then we got Yowie Wowie again. <laughs> I'm just waiting for that man to pop up in the ring. Yeah, Let's I don't know it. what's going on when they're going to bring him out, but they need to. To, to come on before it gets, you know. I, I don't think he's going to get stale. I think he's going to pop up at the right time. It's just a matter of who. Like, who do you put him in? Kofi. You think so? Put that no, motherfucker right on top. Bring him in. Push him immediately. Honestly, I think that, you know, to make this full circle, bring Bray in. Have him go after Kofi. And even if he's not necessarily trying to... I, because think about it. Imagine if, you know, the New Day, they're all kid-friendly. So imagine Bray Wyatt says, you know, we got a guest today, kids, Kofi Kingston. Um, And then during the interview, Bray brings out his dark side, right? And then tries to get Kofi to bring out his dark side. And Kofi's like, then you start seeing Bray chasing uh, Kofi. He's like, no, there is a dark side. You know, we all have a dark side. Jadar, I can hear you. Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. So trying to convince Kofi to tap into his dark side. Say, look, we all have a dark side. 
you know, you could still be kid friendly like I am. And, and, and so, so I, I mean, I think that could be fun, even if you have Kofi, you know, going going in and out of this character. Yeah, no, I think that's really good, man. You know, finding out some clever ways to really get it going um, with him and utilizing Bray Wyatt. Maybe Bray Wyatt is uh, maybe Bray Wyatt is um, is the the let's get him serious type of thing. Maybe I'm taunting you because I don't take you serious. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm stumped right, this week. I'm stumped. <laughs> Where can people follow you online if they want to check you out, talk to you, respond to what you said on this podcast? Instagram, Richard.Taylor Jr. Facebook, Richard L. Taylor Jr. And Twitter is at TrulyTaylorMade. You can also catch me on uh, RichardTaylorJr.com as well. My podcast airs every Monday as we are closing out Mental Health Month. Uh, the Between the Dream podcast is also available uh, here on iTunes and the Anchor app and Spotify as well. And, of course, you can follow me across social media at Flood the Drummer. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Flood the Drummer, just like it's spelled. Or I should say, just like it sounds, F-L-O-O-D-T-H-E-D-R-U-M-M-E-R. You can subscribe to my podcast, Drumming for Justice, wherever you get your podcast. That's where we cover news uh, and issues of civil rights. So if you want to see a more serious side of me, you can go there. And, of course, I want to guys ask you guys to leave a five-star review on this podcast. Tell your friends. There's a new podcast in the game. It's up and coming, and it's called Coming to the Ring. For Richard Taylor, I'm Flood the Drummer. Until next time, I'm Drumming for Justice.